This week on the Koshcast, we are joined by CBC's Tom Harrington as we look back on the weekend's Premier League action. Arsenal were wobbly at Wembley and got thrashed 1-0 as only Petter kept Spurs in check. It was the De Bruyne and Aguero show at the Etihad where City put five past a lacklustre Leicester and we'll also chat about easy wins for Liverpool and Newcastle. Elsewhere, Koeman is appointed coach of the Dutch national team and rumours suggest that he's already asked for new signings. Toronto FC add another fullback and Mumu of the Week will round us off. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex, Mohanad is here. Hi everyone. And joining us today, our very special guest, Tom Harrington of CBC Radio 1 now and yes. many other things previously. Tom, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Nice to be, nice to be here, guys. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Um, so in case our, our listeners who you know are like us and spend most of their life just focusing on football... <laughs> Aren't, aren't fully aware of who you are or what you do. Do you want to give us a bit of background? You bet. Um, well, I work at CBC. I host a show called The World This Hour, which is the hourly uh, national international newscast on the radio. So if you're in your car sometime between 1 and 8 uh, on 99.1, then you'll hear me uh, at the hour reading the news. Uh, and before that, I was the host of, co-host of Marketplace, the consumer show on CBC for five seasons. Before that, I was a sports reporter for CBC and CBC Sports. Covered eight Olympic Games, uh, multiple Great Cups, uh, and the World Cup in 2010. So uh, I've been at CBC more than 35 years now. Amazing. And you still like it. Oh, loving it. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. You know, when I got to travel yeah. the world, I got to see a lot of great things, uh, especially in sports, uh, which was a real treat. And uh, and I've said this many times before, but the highlight of my career was the World Cup in 2010 as a sports reporter. Right. Yeah. I, I grew up as a soccer fan in Newfoundland. That's where I'm from. I played when I was a kid. And I've always loved the game, so that was a that was a crowding moment. I think, regardless of the fact that it was soccer or not, I think it was just a fun event, like just in South Africa. Yeah. Like it's just a fun atmosphere. It was, it was, it atmosphere like was it was awesome. a lot of fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun, and they, they the country embraced it so much, um, and the people there were so friendly and open, and so excited to have the biggest sporting event in the history of the continent, not just South yeah. Africa. Africa never hosted anything like this before. So it was really big, and they did a really good job. Only only South Africa could have hosted it because of the infrastructure that they have, the advantage they have over many countries there, but it was great. I went to Soweto. I went to the Apartheid Museum in Johannesburg. I was stationed there for a month, so I got to see a lot of the city. Uh, and I got I managed to go to four matches, including the final. Nice. Yes. Yeah, I was there in, in 2010. Do you still hear the vuvuzelas ringing in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even do a vuvuzela. I actually have one in my house. No. I have a little corner in my basement. is my little sports shrine, <laughs> and it's to the World Cup I covered, and I have a Vuvuzela that I bought in Soweto, not down the street from Nelson Mandela's Amazing. house. Amazing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think if I had one, I would, I would kind of, as people enter my apartment, I'd just kind of give <laughs> them, them. Yeah. Good idea. Well, I, I even have another souvenir, or what they called, they were selling these in drugstores in, in Johannesburg called Shushuzelas, and they were multicolored earplugs. Which people were using and wearing in the games. See, that is marketing. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to make something and they're going to make the anti of yes. it and buy them both. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your problem, here's your solution. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, that's amazing. So, I mean, the games that you saw when mm-hmm. you were there, were you stationed in one place or were you able to travel around to different venues? I went to several venues. I went to, um, I saw a game between uh, Ivory Coast and Brazil. Um, that was in Soccer City. I saw a match between... I was actually at the, the famous um, Luis Suarez hand goal against oh, Canada. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was at that match. Wow. Uh, I was at the England-Germany match um, in Rustenburg, I think it was, um, with the famous non-goal call yeah. by yeah. Frank Lampard. Would, it would have turned the whole thing around, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what people like to think. Yeah. The way that game was going, David and... Uh, who, I can't remember who was in goal. David Seaman? No. Who was no, goal uh, for that day? David um, James. 
James. Yes. Unbelievable. And he and he and Terry botched up the first goal. Anyway, England wasn't going to win that game. No. Sorry, don't at me at this, folks. But <laughs> I remember it well. The Germans were much better that we game. We hammered that game for long enough. We've yeah. taken all the abuse on everywhere. But I want to share one anecdote, which was the most uh, most moving part. They hadn't played each other in the World Cup very much, other no. than the final and one other time, I think, in Italy, perhaps. But um, before the, the stadium sat about 42,000 people, and I'd say 22,000 were Brits. And they were all on one end of the stadium, and when they played God Save the Queen, they all sang, and I was overcome. Wow. It was so powerful. It was so moving to hear them singing in full voice in that stadium. Was uh, I'll never forget. One of those goosebump moments. Totally. Yeah. I still get them now thinking about it. It was fantastic. Well, but that's the thing about the England fans. Like, deep down, they know their team is pick up, but they're so loyal to they're them very regardless. Yeah. Some, they yeah. still think they're amazing. They still really follow them around the continent and the world. And they're just really loyal to their team. It's, yeah. a, it's an interesting contrast, though, because, I mean, I, I grew up in England, and it, it, it's an odd place for patriotism. Like, often if someone's really patriotic, you kind of just assume they're racist and, and xenophobic, right? Yeah. But then you get these moments where everyone's, like, really into the Jubilee, or England are playing, and everyone brings out the little flag. Mm -hmm. And it kind of wavers between something that people take the piss out of Right. Or really get involved in it's it's kind of strange. And because unfortunately the British fans, some over the years, have earned the reputation of not behaving very well overseas. Mm -hmm. There's always a bit of trepidation. People admire the love for the team and shown by the fans. But they don't want to host them. They're afraid. Yeah. Like yeah. If they invite you over to the house, you're going to break something, kind yeah. of thing, right? But if my recollection was in South Africa, the British fans for the most part behaved. There, there weren't a lot of incidents. Mm -hmm. I think there might have been early in the tournament, but for the most part they behave well. I do think that the fans in different countries, and certainly South Africa, do appreciate how much the fans love the team. Mm -hmm. They just are wary with everything else that comes with it. Um, but it was still a remarkable mm -hmm. scene. Of course, the South African fans had that moment. I think it was first game of the tournament with that amazing Shabalala, that Shabalala finish. It was like, oh. what a way to start the yeah, tournament. It was he also had like the, um, what's her name? Shakira's song was big. And yeah. It was just waka the whole waka waka. It was a great environment. I enjoyed yeah. the tournament. Like, World Cups aren't really always about the quality of the football. No, no. It's more kind of bringing everyone together. And yeah. even those <clears throat> neutrals start to watch football and they, they get into it a bit. It's, it's not bad. It's and nice. when you're at the final, in so I was at the final soccer city, Holland and Spain, and, um, and the Dutch are my team. So it was a weird experience. But when you're there watching the match and there's 90,000 people there, but you know how many people actually watch and you really feel you're at the center of the most important thing on right. the planet at that moment. That's quite a, mm -hmm. quite a feeling to be there, uh, to see it. And, um, and unfortunately it didn't work out the way I hoped. How, anyway. how tired are you of the Dutch coming so close? Like they're, they're perennially known for coming so close and just missing that last step. It, you know, it's, they're the known team for that. I was noticing your, your tablecloth is orange. Thanks for that. Um, you're welcome. Yeah. You know, I, I've actually been a Dutch fan since the mid-70s mm -hmm. when Cruyff was at his peak. I started following them when I was a teenager and I'd only reading about them. I was growing up in Newfoundland and you didn't see soccer on TV very much. I read about the Dutch team. I read about him in particular and thought, you know, he was, he, there was this, he was this gifted player and they played this unusual game and I actually did see the final on TV. They did play it on CBC in 74 when they lost to Germany. And, uh, and since then, I've, I've just followed them. They've always been my team. I've never given up on them. And despite all the disappointments, and there have been many, and they're, they're so hard to predict because they made the World Cup final in 2010. Two years later, Which they, I, could, I didn't think was no, going to happen. No, no nobody did. Nobody no, they came that. into the tournament looking quite wobbly. And yeah, like, yeah. How did they make it that far? Yeah. And then two years later, in the European Championships, they'll score a goal in the round three games. Yeah. Like, the same, basically the same team. And Even in the World Cup final, they were a Robin one and one away from winning the whole yeah. thing. They could have won the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the World Cup in Brazil, they make it to the, they finish third. They could have made the final. Yes. So it's like you know, anyway. It's part of me is like I, I'm I'm set for disappointment, 
But what I'm hoping now, with as you guys mentioned in the opening, Ronald Koeman be, being hired, although I'm hoping he can restore some of the glory, but it's a very hard job. It's one of the toughest jobs, I think, in, in football is to manage the Dutch, but because of the expectations are so different and the right. be, and because of the echoes of the teams of the past, that's always sort of haunting them yeah. all the time. Can you play like those guys? They, but when it eventually happens, it's going to be that much sweeter just from everything you've had to endure up to that point. Like, yeah. eventually, hopefully. Problem, like, Koeman or not, it's just the players now, I just feel their quality... Is a standard below that what we're used to with the Dutch. Absolutely. I mean, we yeah. sit here and sometimes say, "Name the Dutch eleven. We can't. No, we can't. No. And and usually, you know, if we can't do that, it, there's it's a sign. I mm-hmm. find often it's especially the kind of back six yeah. we're not sure about. Like mm-hmm. usually, there's a striker or a winger or sure. someone that you can yeah. identify or a yeah. number ten. But you know, who's playing left back? I, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is becoming more and more difficult. I mean, we did just sign a, a, a Dutch, a TFC just signed a right. Dutch right back. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if he's still in the in the in the frame for the Dutch for the national side. I'm I'd not be sure. surprised. Yeah, he he was in he was actually in on the pitch in yeah. South Africa, yeah. believe it or not. But you're right. I mean, I think the I think the Dutch are approaching kind of a point that Canada was with hockey in the '90s, mm. where after these setbacks at the Olympics and not winning tournaments that the way we mm. used to do the. Canada kind of went nuts and said, oh, we have to do something about the game and reinvented itself, emphasis on skill and speed, and now Canada wins a lot of ho- in men's hockey at the highest level. The women do well anyway. I think the Dutch are kind of at a, not in a, quite an existential moment, but they have to reinvent themselves. They have to go back to some of the ideas and theories of the past because it's, it's not working. I mean, they're not, they, you're right. There is no real depth of talent. There are no outstanding wave of players coming. Right. There's no golden generation on the horizon like Belgium has. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where is that going to come from? I think they need to kind of do some soul searching. Well, I, th- I think it's a really interesting question because on the one hand, every team needs an identity and teams with identities tend to do a lot better than those like England who just kind of drift through. At the same time, you start to wonder with Holland whether their identity holds them back from progressing or whether, as you said, they're kind of haunted by the ghosts of these previous teams. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see which way they go. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like when Germany, whatever, 2000 or when it was, they decided to just like, we're going to just yeah. dismantle this whole right. thing, start over, and right. now we've won a Euros and a World Cup. And it's, it's kind of that long-term thinking. And Holland almost has... It's like when England kept shoving Gerrard and Lampard and yeah, like yeah. trying to win things. It's like you almost have to just say, well, look, we're not good enough, and I'm not aiming to win this World Cup. You know, I'm not still trying to get Robin to, you know, <laughs> play every game and win win every game for us, yes. et cetera, et cetera. And let's just plan a bit for the future because, I don't know, I, they're not going to win things if they still just try to shoehorn players in there, have Van Persie still in the squad. Like, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. And look yeah. at what's happening with England now. They're, I believe they're under-17 squad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is this young wave of young players, 17, 18, 19-year-old players, who in another World Cup cycle, not this one, but the next one, might be very good. Yeah. yeah. What Was that Van Bronckhorst's goal in 2010? Oh, that left from left back, like top corner and screamer, or was it 2014? Uh, I think that was. Uh, gee, I thought it was. I thought it was European Championship goal, not a World Cup. Yeah, goal. No, I think, think it was a World, World Cup, Cup goal. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, 2008 comes to mm. mind as well. Yeah, that's, I, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, oh, really good. That was great. Was it? Was it Russia Holland game with uh, Arshavin yes, really yeah, killing yeah, yeah. that? So yes. That was a great oh, yeah. tournament. That was, yeah. that was a lot of incredible. Fun. Yeah. Um, while we're still talking about kind of World Cup issues, um, Toronto may well be involved. 2026. Right. I just wanted to see what you think. You know, as someone who's covered events, uh, major events, what that would be in this city or what that would mean for Toronto. Well, someone asked me at work the other day, you know, uh, what do I think of, uh, of Toronto being part of a, of a bid to host the World Cup? And I said, you know, and I said, in all honesty, if, you know, Pan Am Games, Canada, Toronto hosted Pan Am Games and multi-sport games. It's important. 
But the World Cup is much bigger than that, even if it's a slice of it. Mm-hmm. And he said it's the single biggest sporting event in the world. I covered eight Olympic Games. Believe me, the World Cup is the biggest sporting event because it's only one sport and everybody's watching it, mm-hmm. unlike the Olympics where people have different interests. So Toronto have, being part of a North American event, I think it's really important. would be great for the city. Toronto could do it. There's yeah. they, Obviously, BMO Field is one venue. Um, I, I think, my understanding is the World Cup, they would involve not also involve cities other than Toronto, I think. Yeah. I think Montreal might be involved. Vancouver, Ottawa. Or Vancouver, yeah. I think Calgary's on the list, but yeah, I think they have to decide. The problem is with a limited amount of games mm-hmm. in a short period of time, and the most of the games that Canada would host would be early round games, not towards the, uh, the round of sixteen and the, the fi- semifinals and finals. Uh, travel would be an issue to start moving teams from mm. West Coast to East Coast, sure. like in the U.S. as well. Um, so, like in the U.S. World Cup in '94. They had groups, but in different parts of the U.S., and, yeah. they, and, and as the field narrowed, so did the geography of the tournament narrowed, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to do the same thing here. So I think going out west to have one game, for example, might not be a good right. idea. Uh, but we'll see how it works out. But I think in terms of um, Toronto being a host, A, the city would be great. The, the soccer knowledge and enthusiasm is enormous here, so I don't think you'd have a problem selling tickets. No. <laughs> so I think it would be I think it'll be a great event. I mean, we, we went to uh, Chile versus Brazil at... Um, Skydome. Skydome that you know, she's huge and it was full and yeah. this was a friendly yeah. that was you know inconsequential no one cared well not um, only that it was like 2010 or yeah. 11 or something yeah. wasn't it it was ages I think ago. it would be really ironic somehow if Defoe makes the England team <laughs> and then he has to go from West Coast to East Coast during the 2026 <laughs> he might still be playing um, yeah, yeah. if he making the team England's got a lot of problems yeah um, two things one if anyone cares the Van Broncos goal was in 2010 versus oh, Uruguay okay. yeah Second thing is uh, John Herdman. Any thoughts on on him managing the Canadian national team over Zambrano, who's apparently doing a good job? Yeah, I I thought that was very odd. The whole development, the the way it was handled, frankly, by uh, the Canadian soccer authorities was very strange. You know, the players like Christine Sinclair didn't didn't found about it on Twitter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Herdman did a great job coaching the women's team. Had great success. Everybody knows that. Uh, making that transition to a men's team, bringing the same coaching principles, perhaps that would work. Why wouldn't it necessarily? I think, but I don't understand why they dumped Zambrano so quickly. I wasn't paying a lot of attention, to be honest with you, to, on our World Cup campaigns mm-hmm. and our efforts to uh, to develop the program. But he had pretty good pedigree, and then suddenly he was. How long was he in the job? Uh, so maybe six months. Yeah, nine months. So something either either something happened. Yeah. There's something that they're not telling us, yeah. and or players on the team said he's not the guy for some reason, yeah. or there was some issue off the p- off the pitch that was an issue. Uh, that I think they just tried to not lose Herdman in the program. I think they just valued him so high that when he said, "Okay, I'm done with the women's team. I'm, I have offers for I think it was English England, yeah. women's national team, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Mm-hmm. I think they just wanted to somehow keep him in the Canadian football program. And they just had no choice, or they would have lost them. I think that was really what it came down to. Yeah, there, there are a couple narratives. That is one. The other is that Zambrano asked for changes that weren't forthcoming, and right. he was frustrated by that, and thus they were frustrated by him. Um, that, bo- it, both yeah. of those scenarios make sense. Yeah. The, the concern I would have is if there's a likelihood you'd know that Herbman was probably going to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you preemptively offer him the job, rather than give it to Zambrano, and then suddenly Herbman's, who maybe he wanted it, and then decided to go. It's a very Anyway, it seemed a little ham-handed, Right. Uh, the way uh, the way it was done, and it's un- it's unfortunate because I think Zambrano might have had the potential to do something, and he liked seemed to like being here. So, which is a challenge bringing foreign coaches into Canada, and they look at the infrastructure and the way the program is going, and say yay or nay. He wanted to be here, and it's unfortunate that it didn't work out. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I was going to do it later, but while we're kind of in in Toronto and Canada, why don't we do it now? Um, Toronto FC, mm. incredible season last season. Mm-hmm. 
I'm excited for the start of the new season. Um, did you were you able to get out to many games during the? the... Um, I've been a season ticket holder since day one. Okay, cool. I got my my tickets ten minutes after they went on sale. Seriously, back in 2007. So I was a it was my chance to a uh, support the sport, support the the national team, which is going to use BMO Field as the as its home uh, field as well. Uh, and so I've been a supporter since the beginning. The um, price doesn't go up of season ticket, right? Like you buy it once and that's it. Uh, pretty or, much. Or I mean, well, it's interesting. One of the reasons I've renewed, not a, you know, they 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 become a great team. I almost gave up after about year five. Right. I was so angry. No one can blame me. Yeah, no. I was like, I was watching the, the football was so awful, um, and you know, it, and the stadium, which was raucous, had become kind of a mausoleum, and the energy had gone. And so, when I dragging myself out on a Saturday afternoon when it's raining to watch these guys play this kind of game, and they'd already the the Dior Rosario fiasco had happened the previous year and and another season of really bad football and so I almost gave up but you know what I said you know the Chicago Cubs at that point had got 100 years without a World Series <laughs> so I figured I, I should stay like, well, I can't be a fair weather fan that's not what a fan does so I stayed and they delivered uh, ironically two year, last year I was at BMO with a friend of mine watching the final where they lost this year uh, it was a special occasion. My wife's birthday was coming up, so we had, we had to plan a trip. We booked the trip in, I think, August. And by October, I realized, if they make the final, <laughs> yep. I'm not going to be here. <laughs> yeah. And I was not. Yeah. So I could bring up my phone and show you where I was. I was in the Turks and Caicos at a little bar in a resort by myself, <laughs> watching the game with my TFC they were scarf. Sh- they were showing... Uh, it was on ESPN, right? Oh, right, yeah. right. So yeah. the bartender, I was asking, a guy named Michael was the bartender, and he said to me, so what are we doing? I said, well, we're watching the MLS Cup. What's that? You didn't have none of a clue. Explain what the MLS was. It's like the Premier League. It's okay. And who's playing? It's just Toronto, where I live in Canada. They're playing Seattle, which is an American city. So it's Canada against the U.S. I said, okay, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's so we want, we want Canada to win. Yes, we want Canada to win. Anyway, that's The guys in right. red. The guys in yeah, red. The guys in red. I watched the final. I was thrilled. They were so good. They yeah. dominated. Great they just, goal. They were, and there was a great goal by, uh, yeah. by Altidore, too. So... I was thrilled for the city, for the fans who stuck with it, for the, the, the real hardcore supporters who I did, even did a couple of stories on when they started because I was still covering sports. So I, I was thrilled. It just it was a, just a great moment and a, you know a, a crowning achievement for after years and years of frustration. Especially, so. I mean, not even that far. Like last year, the frustration from last year, just losing on penalties that yeah. didn't have a shot on target, etc., yes. etc. Et yeah. like, and yeah. the same team again. I mean, you couldn't write it. Like no. it was just. Yeah, yeah. Was, and we, we were in the same boat too. We went to the final last year. Yeah, you know, froze our digits off. Yeah, I've never was, been I mean, so was, cold in my life. I've yeah. been here for ten years. I have literally never been so cold <laughs> yeah. in my life. Yeah, I and mean, the the worst bit wasn't even the game. It was the lineup to. To get through the tunnel afterwards, yeah. When oh, you're just standing there, you've lost. You it's just want to get such out a bad it, design yeah. where everyone's trying to get under the gold train it, tunnel. I know. <laughs> thousands of people. It's, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. Unfortunately, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was, Actually, heartbreaking. The game. It went to extra time. Right. It didn't help. And oh, I, was yeah. so I was like, just end it now. And then the former and the former TFC keeper makes the save <laughs> of the game to preserve the victory. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was it was disappointing. So it was it was disappointing not to be there this year. I would have been there for sure. And a, a good my one of my soccer travel buddies went with uh, with a friend and took my tickets. So that we I was represented in spirit. But still, to be able to watch down down there with with, uh, with my TFC scarf and my T shirt right. and watch the game was uh, still pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool story to just remember where you were. Yeah, when that happened. Absolutely. You, know, you never know if it's going to happen again. We hope so. But if it doesn't for a while, then he's you know you remember I was in Turk and Caicos sitting there in that bar. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fun. And it was like uh, they've they've um, the last couple of years the way they've rebuilt that team. I have to give management credit because yeah. there were there were so many bad decisions for so long. Uh, when you, you're just beginning to wonder, is this going to be a... And you saw other teams coming into the league and making the playoffs, and they were younger than TFC was, and you're going, what the heck, you know? Yeah. So it was a, it was quite a moment. I was thrilled. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's the reason that, like, we've been quite excited about the development of Canadian Premier League, because if we can get that experience and 
extrapolate it out across Canada, right. it would just be incredible. Well, I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, and maybe you guys aren't, but there was a um, CSL, yeah. right, back in the 90s, 80s and 90s, which I used to cover. And, um, you know, there were teams in Edmonton and Hamilton and Ottawa and Toronto and Montreal had a team. I used to cover the the Impact before they were the Impact back in that league. And, so there, and there were pockets of support everywhere. But now you have a strong franchise in Vancouver, a strong franchise in Montreal, and a strong one in Toronto. And now with the Premier League coming in, the idea of you know development opportunities for players to make a bit of money, uh, maybe become a, a little bit of a feeder system will be great. Yeah. All right. Um, that's Canada, I think. That's Anything else? Yeah. Premier League. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's start then at Wembley with the North London Derby. Well, why would we do that? Um, just, just you know, get the pain out of the way. Okay. Um, so, Tom, for, for context, Mohanan and I are Arsenal fans. Oh. Um, you, your allegiances lie with... For now. For now. <laughs> I see. Yeah. You're, you're, I'm a Liverpool man. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I remember uh, we had uh, El Amin on oh, yes. recently, and I think I, I first noticed you two commiserating on, online about some Liverpool results. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Wembley, North London derby. Um, Mohanan, is it possible to get thrashed 1-0? And it, <laughs> well... If so, was this it? This this was it. This should not have ended 1-0 for sure. I mean, as much as Petrček tried to keep giving them the ball to score more and more goals, he also made saves when he needed to. It was, it was weird. He made it really, a lot of really good saves, yeah. but at the same time, tried to give them as many goals as possible. Very confusing. Um, very confusing. <laughs> very but, generous, I would say. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know. This was... Coming into the game, I, obviously with the Everton game and Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan, and, you know, you, football fans live week to week. <laughs> Whatever, like I know Arsenal aren't good enough, but then you see that 5 0 thrashing of everything, and you know everything are, are trash, but you're like, oh my god, yes, this is the best thing ever, we're gonna win the league. Okay, so I came into it with some form of confidence. Um, didn't happen, didn't happen. First 10 minutes were okay, and then it was kind of all Tottenham from there. Mm-hmm. Kane missed a few easy headers as well on the way to his goal, and it was just, there, there wasn't anything solid about Arsenal, it was just. 11 or well, 10 people in red passing the ball to each other trying without, to trying to without really any form of tactics or or, or plan mm-hmm. is disheartening and that again this is why a lot of things fall on the manager's feet is because people say well it's not his fault that Lacazette misses a one-on-one mm-hmm. sure but it's his fault that we don't have a, a shot on target well that wasn't even on target until the 85th minute so it, it, I don't know I'm tired of saying the same thing about Arsenal every week and I don't know what the solution is. I, I really don't know. They are, they are um, I would say, they are an empty vessel, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Arsenal, because uh, I remember we actually saw them on our, uh, we went to the uh, Emirates a couple of years ago on our last soccer trip, and we were actually at a game where they played Palace. Oh, and well, when was it last season? Uh, last, it was it was one-one draw, so it was 20, <laughs> okay. 2016. We were at Believe the same Believe it or game. not, we were Come at on. the same yeah. game. Was Barassi scored? Yeah. yeah, and then Sanchez header yeah. left the keeper. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Bellerin really? couldn't cross That's the ball. That's unbelievable. Bellerin couldn't cross the ball all game. <laughs> but if you yeah. remember, my recollection was Arsenal bossed the game. Yeah, they pretty much owned the game. They couldn't yeah. do anything with it. And yeah. then one decent, decent chance by Balassi, and people said, "Oh, Czech should have stopped it." Well, if I recall, it was sort of against the grain, <laughs> shot it going the other opposite way. Yeah. Like it was a well-taken goal, I thought. But it was we were all sitting there, and the, one of the four yeah. gr- of our group is a diehard. He makes you guys look lame yeah. <laughs> as a fan. Yeah. He was nuts, and he was just he wanted to open his veins. He was so upset. Well, that was the, is, that was the hype of Wenger out as well. Yes, yeah, it was. You're right. Yeah, that's it right. Was, yeah, it was right. quite bad. No, yeah. I remember the atmosphere being particularly toxic yeah. when when Balassi's shot went in. It wasn't even that late into the game. I think it was no. sixty something yeah, it minutes, was. maybe. Right. A guy next to us just 
he was with his parents, his elderly parents. He just stood up and he's like, I'll see you next week. And he just left. Wow. He, just like, he knew what was going to happen. Yeah. He knew that nothing was you know, going to yeah. change. And, and if I recall, left. something Theo Walcott did in that game as well, it was really people all kind of, it was kind of embarrassing, wasn't that that match? Or maybe it was I mean, it's but, a fair guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's fair guess. Probably on the way out, he did that stupid clap he did when he, when he substitutes. Yeah. And there, it's, I mean, I don't have you being, and uh, my friend who is a Darhide Arsenal fan, I mean, it's, and we can talk all, about, all you want about the Dutch, but that's every four years. This is, a, this is every week. So yeah, it, it's no, it's frustrating, and and again, they're living. It, it's a bit like being haunted with ghosts of the past, you know. Like the, you, yep. you, and Wenger's still there, and he represents greatness, but it's greatness that is. Well, I think Wenger is the ghost of the past, like literally. That's right. that's who he is right now, and people are talking about is his legacy being tarnished, and I I think so because at this point, it's just people can't wait to push him out the door, and every season, more and more people are joining that bandwagon and yeah. joining that side of the conversation mm-hmm. and I don't know people are always like well wait until he whatever releases a book and tells you all the secrets that he couldn't tell you now etc etc but at the end of the day that doesn't stop you having a tactical plan that doesn't stop you having a good defensive backbone that doesn't you know we have no consistency whatsoever Mustafi half of the game looks world-class and unbeatable and the other half of the game looks like he's just a kid playing Sunday football and he can't he's just attracted to to a ball like a moth to a to, to like well, that, he is Arsenal in a microcosm then I mean he, he sums it up exactly very well. yeah. are they a bit would you say that as Arsenal fans would you say there there's a, a criticism of MLSC the people who own Toronto FC and the Leafs uh, that they make lots of money the stadium's packed they have tons of money from TV rights there's no real sense of urgency to be pushing for the top. They can even even make a Champions League, which it looks like they won't do this year. Do you think there's any of that? People are definitely cognizant that Stan Kroenke is a bad owner. If you look at his franchises in the States and in North American sports, um, that said, Arsenal spend a lot of money. Yeah. It, it's not a money problem. They've spent right. $100 million on two strikers in the last six months. True. And, and plenty of money in the last you know four or five years. That said, if Kroenke as an owner was desperate to win something... Arsene Wenger wouldn't still be there. So that's where it comes in. It's not as if he's doing as bad a job owning Arsenal as he is with his other franchises. Mm -hmm. But, yes, if he was urgent to win something, he'd have changed things sooner. That's exactly the nail on the head. Kroenke, for me, it's not about spend more money. People yell spend more. No. No. It's about that will to win. Where do you want to be? What's your objective for this team? If it is to win a Champions League and to win a Premier League... Money aside, it's putting in people in place that can make you achieve that. It's being ruthless with the managers, being ruthless, all that kind of stuff. He's, I think we spend enough money. I think Arsene Wenger has brought in you know, a 35 million waste in Mustafi, a 35 million waste in Shaka, a 50 million Lacazette that now he's replaced six months later. It's not that there's no money. It's the choices are bad with that money. And then on the Kroenke side, it's not being ruthless enough and being happy with that fourth place, which is not even a thing anymore. Like, I mean, we're finishing sixth every season now. This season, lucky to be sixth even if. So, yes, the quantity thing a little bit, but it's about running the club and not about the money for me with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I think you have a Pep Guardiola with the players we have, and we're not sitting in sixth. No. It, it just it, it comes down to the manager. And unfortunately, it's not the players or Kroenke as much as the manager. Just... He's the one constant that never changes. Right. Kroenke has changed, and this changed everybody around him. Players have come and gone. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's the only variable that hasn't changed, and why not at least take a punt? Maybe it's not his fault, but let's well. do something different. <laughs> let's, just, let's just try. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, let, let, let's have a look at the other, the other half of this game. Um, Tom, as someone who grew up watching you know, the Dutch teams of the 70s, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the Spurs side? Because... To me, there are actually quite a, a lot of similarities in the way that everyone is comfortable on the ball in, in 
every area of the bench. Yeah. Uh, the defenders are very comfortable on the ball. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of positional Dembele. rotation. Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're, I think they're loaded, actually. I think um, I think Moussa Dembele is like one of these great players who people are starting to realize how really good he is. Mm -hmm. How physically, he's, his physical presence always impressed me, but his skill set, his technical ability, and his ability in the midfield, I think he's really... Arguably, now Kane is brilliant around the goal, and Deli Ali is talented and but a little unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Dembele's like he's like a Doug Gilmore, a Michael Bradley kind of a player who's a take charge, physical presence, great vision, uh, and I think he's going to make the Belgians really difficult to beat in the World Cup. I think if uh, if he stays healthy, they're going to be really good with him um, uh, in the midfield. So I'm a big fan of his, but in particular, they have a, I like uh, Vertonghen, I like their back. Uh, Loris, as a former goalkeeper, I was you know he's a world class goalie. They have a lot of really great tools. Obviously, this year no one's Pochettino is a great tool. He's and a great manager. Great manager. Yeah, they're. I mean, you know, other than City right now, they're the probably the best team in the league. I, I'd say and. Um, and I think, uh, do they? Do City and, and uh, Tottenham play? I think they have to play each other they once. Still have to play oh, each other that's once gonna be great. I, think, yeah. I can't wait to see that game. That's and gonna that, be great. I think we'll be at Wembley. Um, mm. City City beat Spurs quite easily, which I think was at the Etihad. Yeah, but, yeah. And that was early. Was that earlier on that yeah. game? I think yeah, it was. Yeah. Right. I, I think right now the Spurs are playing. But yeah, I, th I think having that good of a manager as well is a big asset because you look at someone. I mean, we'll get to them. I don't want to get too much of a deal, but mm -hmm. someone like United, who mm -hmm. you put it on paper and they don't have. A worse squad than Spurs, but then you see the difference in style of how how he wants them to play, how he gets them to play. Mm -hmm. You know, Mourinho is really holding back. I think a really talented group of players. So, Arsene Wenger similarly, etc., etc. So I just feel, I mean, Pep is getting so much out of players that we thought was not possible, and Raheem Sterling and stuff, and we'll talk about it. But it, there's so much now in managers' hands. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, you had one or two good teams. Oh, and they only have the good players, so they dominate games regardless. Mm -hmm. Arsene Wenger had his invincibles, and I think any, you know, whatever. They're good enough with a manager without to do it. B Barca of 09, same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, too many teams have good players. So what's the difference? The difference is your style of play and your manager, because yeah. everybody has superstars now. And, and, and you see it more in terms of players that you don't think have that much talent to begin with. You look at someone like Ben Davis. Right. who came from Swansea. He was a decent enough young left back and then a couple of years under Mauricio Pochettino and he, I mean, there aren't many to choose from but he's one of the best left backs in the league like quite yeah. some ways and it's, I think you know, it's he put in the, the beautiful And I think you're right to your area point about the Dutch. It's like the way they play, it's just, it's easy on the eye, right? And they, you don't get a lot of it in Premier League anymore. There are a few teams. Swansea a few years ago played that great one with Brendan Rodgers that yeah. for like a season. They said, wow, this is great. Who are these guys? Then it's kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, back to this game though, I felt throughout the game people are, are, are excited about the shiny new Aubameyang signing and everything but when you actually look back and look at this game he had the exact same troubles that Lexette has been having for whatever no service. half a season it's no service even against Everton he scored that one chip offside goal but he didn't get the, he didn't touch the ball almost all game and it's the same exact problem it's just he's not getting that kind of stick because he's only been here for a game and no service whatsoever to him Ozil and Mkhitaryan are playing as wingers almost, but they have no pace whatsoever. So when Ozil pings that ball to Mkhitaryan, he's not taking it and running down the line because he has to stop and cut back and look up. And it's not like the, the players aren't set up for the system we're trying to play. And like I said, yes, he'll get one run, you know, behind the defensive line. But that's not enough. You're relying on one one instant in a game to try and make something happen. I, I did feel particularly bad for him. I mean, he came on about 10 minutes to go like had had by far the two best chances Arsenal had in the whole game missed them and just looked like the world was on his shot mm -hmm. I mean he looked so you know he misses that in the 20th minute people yeah. forget yeah. about yeah. it no one talks right. about it right. but he comes on and he literally makes two three really good runs much better than anything we've had up to that point and yes the finish was 
whatever. It, it could have been better, but at the end of the day, I don't think, you know, it's not on him that we didn't get anything out of the game. It's a little bit unfair on Lacazette. Like, it's a hard think. place to play, too, I think, being a player, playing at Arsenal. It's one of those play, clubs in England that's it's like playing for the Leafs or the Canadians in hockey or something like that, or the Yankees. It's a mm-hmm. very hard club. To, the scrutiny is really intense. The fans are very knowledgeable and very in, like and tolerate very little. And very online. Very, very online. Oh, yeah, that too. Very so, online. like, I mean, Lacazette is the kind of player who I think could be gone like, next season. He yeah. wouldn't be there. Totally. Yeah. Um, anything else about this game? I, can, I mean... Nothing really came played really well. He scored his yeah. 21st goal of the season. Great header. I don't think it was a foul on Cassiano. I think he just jumped. He he did that Ronaldo jump where he was just yeah. head and shoulders. He was way hard. above everybody. Every, yeah. I, I didn't think he had that in him. He was yeah. extremely high. Yeah, people think of him as a, a playing on the ground and what he can do on the ground, but he's actually really good in the air. Yeah. And he, like, was, that was sort of a textbook header. There's like, he's, if you're going to coach it, show it on video, kids, <laughs> this is how you hit the ball. This yeah. is how you do yeah. it. The other way, where the opposite where the goalie's going, you know, Perfect. it's classic. Well, remember the one he scored? I think it was, was it 2015 or 16? in the derby it was yes. similar ball yes. similar header yeah. well he's got the yeah. technique right he jumps mm-hmm. early he heads it always back against where the ball's coming because that's much easier than trying to kind of help it along mm-hmm. and again it's it's theory and he, the basics and he does them all right and he's always he always seems to be open somehow even though everybody's <laughs> like well you're playing Tottenham just stand on Kane but he always seems to find that but space he's very good at finding space he really is and he, he's th- even his shooting technique like you can see he kind of tenses his whole body he gets that contact right and he's got he's got the basics down and he's mm-hmm. a great player I think if, if you were starting the season now you would have to say that it would be a battle to first place between City and Spurs. It's, that's my view. Like based on the way, that, if you look at how they're both the two clubs are playing now, even in Liverpool, including Liverpool and United and Chelsea in the top sort of six, mm. if, if I'd say it wouldn't be a seventeen. It would be a head-to-head race to the finish between City those two started clubs. very strong. Yeah, very strong. Yeah. And yeah. I think you might be right. And I think that's actually been the case in the last couple of seasons. Spurs have come very close to winning the title, but it has been that first few months where they draw games they should win. Mm-hmm. Or well, you, you've got the famous Kane not scoring in whatever. August or right. October or whatever yes. it is. So, yeah. Um, I mean, let's talk about City then, since we brought them up. Um, they beat Leicester, who, you know, just outside the top six are probably, you know, a very good team, but they easily dismantled them 5 1. Mm-hmm. Aguero somehow just keeps adding these goals to his season, but quite under the radar. I mean, people talk about Salah, people mm-hmm. talk about Kane, Kane. Uh, mm-hmm. De Bruyne, not from a scoring point of view, but from a player of the season. Right. He just scored three goals. He's up to 21 or 20 four. goals. He got four. Yeah, four. He got four. Yeah. <laughs> four. He got one of the 90th minute. Yeah. yeah. So he's got, uh, that was brilliant too. He's got, what, 21 goals now, equal to Salah, who obviously is having a brilliant season. And he a month, season. right, with a broken rib. Yep. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, Apparently, was it in Holland where he was? Yeah, he was in a, he was so in a, his, Holland on this his, his Uber ride was in a car, yeah. accident, car accident. Right, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's funny, isn't it? He he's not someone who seems like a prominent figure this season. No, but yeah, you're right. He's up there at the top of the scoring charts. I mean, it's we not... always talk about how I I personally am under the impression, at least at the beginning of the season, that Pep kind of doesn't think Aguero is his main guy. I thought he was kind of going to start easing him out. Jesus was going to be his main right. guy because he wants more of that link up, yep. and he, he's more suited to the way Pep wants to play. But I think Aguero is forcing Pep's... I mean, obviously, Jesus is injured. But even before that, Aguero is really just forcing Pep's hand into play him. How are you going to drop me now? Mm-hmm. Even though I, I truly believe that is what Pep wants to eventually <laughs> do, he just can't. He's forced mm-hmm. to play him because he's scoring goals. Well, and I think uh, going back to your comment about uh, Aubameyang and service with Arsenal, the thing about Aguero is as great as he is, he can't do it unless you have guys like De Bruyne passing the ball. And what De Bruyne will I think, yeah, and I think he's I, De Bruyne right now. I have him my, my my Premier League pool team had the whole season. Yeah. So, but he uh, to me is that I think he may be the best player in the world right now. If I was drafting, literally drafting a team, he'd probably be my first pick. I, I agree. It's uh, a good point. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think he's like he 
Aguero is brilliant. He's the classic poacher. He finds little little plate, you know, telephone booth spaces and makes it work because he's small, low center of gravity, hard to knock off the ball, yeah. uh, and knows where the goal is almost everywhere. Anywhere inside the eighteen yard box, he he have his eyes closed and turn around and put it on the net. Like he's that good, but he can't. He's not the kind of player who can do that on his own. He's not going to beat a bunch of guys one on one. He's great at finding space and needs people to find him. And with guys like De Bruyne and, and Dembele and others, um, not Dembele, but um, I think the other midfielder. Uh, down, Silva. Silva, Silva yeah. yes. Then you've got that service we're talking about. If You have to figure that if an Arsenal had a, had a service, had a, somebody in the midfield like that, maybe these guys it, would be It also better. helps that they have a Fernandino behind him who is having an right. absolute beast of a season. Right. Silva is a... I mean, he's almost playing box-to-box at this age, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And Fernandino doesn't obviously get a lot of credit because, you know, he's defensive and City are all about going forward. But he just sits there. And it must be so nice to know that this person's behind you. Yeah. And you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You have license to go forward, do your thing, and I'm going to be absolutely okay um, behind me. And it helps De Bruyne for sure oh, yeah. that, to know that mm-hmm. he has that security. Yeah, I, I actually think Fernandino... Uh, and and some people will be angry by this maybe but um or angered by it but i actually think fernandinho has kind of taken that the makalele role and mm. developed it somewhat mm-hmm. because makalele was brilliantly brilliant defensively well he was more of a cante like he was more like cut it off my forward passing isn't the best but just defensive but yeah. fernandinho's doing both Fernandinho, yeah he goes both ways so. the other thing about this game which is can be overlooked because of the brilliance is like it's, it's astonishing the collapse of Leicester. yeah i mean it's like as as amazing as that story was when they won it's not quite as amazing as what's happened to them, but it's in the ballpark in terms of shock about how they've fallen so fast. Yeah. It's, you know, when, when Ranieri was fired, I actually tweeted about it saying, it, it's, a, it, it's the ultimate commentary on professional football in England that less than a year, less than a, literally on the calendar less than a year, let alone the season, yeah. that he being celebrated, weeping on the sideline and all the rest of it, and then he's gone. Yeah, one of the biggest you know, sporting achievements in the last... Decades, yeah, yeah half century, sure. maybe. Yeah, if you like want. The, yeah, the nuttiest, craziest sports story, yeah. and then the guy is toast. It was shocking, and and they then nothing's happened, and then the whole issue with Mares not being transferred and mm-hmm. being pout, pouting and not the distraction that was to the club and bringing the back in but not in the lineup and being in the room and all that. Yeah. Lester went in there in such a foul psychological mood. Mm. I didn't expect anything probably than the result we got. Yeah, I agree. And and Puel, I think, set them up for failure here. He went to a back five, which is not something they usually do. Mm-hmm. And what that did is take someone out of the midfield. And City are going to dominate the midfield anyway, probably, but mm-hmm. why give it to them? Right. Just hand it over the keys. Anyway. Right. Um on City's tails, if I can even say that. No, no, no you can't. No, um, <laughs> nobody is. Yeah, are the... Uh, well, I think they're now the, the noisy neighbors. Who, who's the noisy neighbors now? Because it's always been City, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like United are st- slowly going to have to start being the noisy neighbors because City are really taking over this, the, well, Manchester at this point. But United are trying to keep up as much as they can um, with City. They didn't do a good job today of losing to Newcastle. They did a great job of losing it's to Newcastle. It's not Newcastle. to Newcastle. It's to Rafa Benitez. And that's the part that I enjoy. It's Mourinho losing to Rafa Benitez because they don't like each other. It's um, a shame, actually. I mean, the, the two guys that are under the weather today are both United fans. How convenient. Maybe, yeah, very convenient, yeah. right? Oh, you're, well, you're two uh, yeah. broadcast partners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't yeah. see that match. I just I went on my phone and checked the scoreboard. You just the enjoyed the result. I just, I, I, it's a classic. Like, what? I mean, I, the thing I love Newcastle fans to begin with. I think they're just some of the great fans in England. Yeah. So I'm happy for them. Um, but I, yeah, you said something earlier about United and the kind of the group of players on paper. You sort of look and say, you know, these guys. That's, that's a pretty good team. You know, yeah. Pogba and and um, Lukaku and now Sanchez and, and Martial yeah. and Rashford and, and and their goalkeepers, arguably yeah. the top two, two, three of the world. And what? 
So I, it's um, and you going back to management again and the role of managers. You look at Mourinho, the special one, and you know the the bloom is off the rose. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like uh, he the, the emperor has no clothes in this case. He's not the guy. <laughs> Do you have one more? Oh, wait, wait, can we? <laughs> it's usually three. Yeah, right? like, yeah. No, the bad things come in three. Um, but either way, he's like he's not what we think he was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's and this is not just this year. This is last year. I would say it's it's, it's the year before. Well, well, let, let, okay, people. Uh, Again, we talk about this a lot. He's in the Champions League now, but only because he came sixth. In the, like he came last because it's top six. Yes, he came last. Yeah. Like Mourinho is for, in his first season as a United manager came last, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's unfair to say because you're fighting those top six teams. Nobody else, like everything else, doesn't matter to United fans. Mm-hmm. So he literally came last in his first season after signing a ninety million Pogba, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't know how it, it's easily just brushed aside because it's Mourinho. If it was anybody else, well, no matter even winning the Europe, the, the Europa League, I just don't think they would have survived coming sixth. No, I, I, I mean he's he was saved. Not that I think they would have necessarily sacked him after making such a big play to get him, but he was saved by winning the Europa League. What goes unsaid is how easy that Europa League was to win for that United team. But he also they barely got out of second gear in a lot of those games. They didn't play anyone substantial. Ajax in the final didn't put up much of a fight. Mm-hmm. It was he it was also easy intentionally threw the league. It's not like he did yeah, both yeah. and came maybe third and won the Europa League. He threw it like I think a few games to go. He was like, "Well, this doesn't matter anymore," and he played nobody in the league games. And so what? United are now are now kind of condensed to what a cup team, and everybody's all right. Oh, cool, cool. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't get enough <sighs> because it, yeah, because it's Mourinho, and I feel like. Until he realizes that there's nothing wrong with coming second to City if you were entertaining your fans every week mm-hmm. and you were one of the best teams playing football. If you were like a Tottenham mm-hmm. playing that kind of football, I don't think anyone would be on his back. It's just that prag- pragmatism is way too much at this point. Well, there's also something to be said simply for, I want to just make sure that we are still important in Manchester. Like that mm-hmm. rivalry is so intense. I said, for here's the plan, guys. For the rest of the season, we're not gonna we can't catch them, but we're gonna outplay them. We're gonna be more fun to watch. Right. We're gonna be more entertaining. People are gonna talk about us, even though they're winning the title. Yeah, they're gonna say, let's go see United play, not the other guys. Like from a, just a personal pride in this within the city itself. It sounds kind of naive, but I think it's they have nothing else to play for. Um, and if he's not under any pressure to perform as the manager, which apparently he's not, no one's suggesting mm-hmm. he's out. So why not try something different? Why not think differently and play that game kind of game you're talking about? It's true. And, and I, especially in a game like this against Newcastle, who I'm not saying they're easy to beat. They're, you know, Rafa Benitez is a good mm-hmm. manager. Mm-hmm. He lines them up well. Mm-hmm. But they haven't been great this season. They've struggled to score goals. You would think United would just go out and attack them. Right. I mean, it's that simple. You you you've got them. these players on the pitch. Yeah. You've got Martial. You've got Lingard. Yeah. Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. Just go out and attack them. Yeah. And and United were just so bizarrely devoid of creativity in this game. And uh, uh, Bernie, one of our colleagues, wants me to have a go at Alexis Sanchez, um, who, who <laughs> by the way was their best player, wasn't he? he Early on, he he, mm. he was the one that looked like he would. Well, United didn't play like the rest of the game. No, well, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, a lot of stuff went through him early on. He did actually miss uh, an open goal later in the game, so that was that was a thing. That was mm. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but the thing is that before he came in, I think they were on a run of having won some games with three four nil. Mm-hmm. They were actually playing quite well. Mm-hmm. They brought in Alexis Sanchez, and I understand why they did that. It's an opportunity to bring in an ostensibly world-class player. But it's kind of disrupted everything. Well, mm-hmm. I think City have so much money, they must have bought some luck, I also feel. Because <laughs> they are so lucky that they did not end up with Sanchez. It would have just disrupted everything Pep tries to do 
he would not have fit into that free-flowing football where everyone just releases the ball as fast as they can. And they, I think they really, really, really dodged a bullet with Sanchez there. Mm-hmm. And United kind of took that bullet for them. And I know he suits United a bit more because it's more of kind of that you-do-it-yourself Individual. the individualism mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think United's biggest problem is still Lukaku. I don't think he's good enough. He was the best player in this No, game. no, but in general, like when you think of United, again, mm-hmm. we said this last podcast, as an Arsenal fan, I still believe they're the biggest team in England, mm-hmm. even with the way City are playing. They're still the biggest team in England, and in Europe, the, when people look into the Premier sure. League, it's still United. Yeah. And I just feel... As a, as a brand. Yes. 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 And I just feel like they kind of forever represented the Premier League in Europe. Like mm-hmm. it was a United, they're doing well, the Premier League's doing well. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like Lukaku was never good enough. I don't care if it's 75 million or even 20 million. I don't think he's good enough to start for United, especially a team that wants to win Champions Leagues, they want to win leagues. I think their biggest thing, they should just go all out. You know, 250 million, Harry Kane, whatever it takes. Kane is that guy that would just really complete the puzzle for them. And they need a world-class striker. I just don't think Lukaku is it. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. I, I'm telling you right now, he wasn't the problem in this game. No, not at all. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. But, uh, yeah, maybe. There's anyway. a, and there, uh, getting back to management again, uh, and I've, again, about a, I have a theory, sort of a workplace theory, which is that, you know, happy people are productive people. Hmm. And I think the Mourinho's dour personality uh, I think he's the kind of he would be the type of manager I think he is the kind of manager who players well they, if they take their cue from him they don't play with any joy right you watch the Spurs, Spurs play it's like a, they're having a gas they're out yeah. there just kicking the ball around having a hoot right like they're playing with a lot of and like Liverpool's like that too I think yeah. they get it from Klopp City are the same City but very much they, they run They run. They, it's like this is, a boy, this is a boys game and we're playing like boys and kids yeah we're, we're having lots fun. of money we're having fun United under Mourinho, and I thought even Chelsea even under Mourinho, they sort of they, it was like Tiger Woods playing golf. There's no joy in the game. It's sort of this lethal aspect to it. That sort of dark, this darkness, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that I think there's an element of that in the way that when United plays that negative uh, energy, like the on on paper in Newcastle at halftime, you go into the room, you're by Mourinho, I say, here guys, here's their lineup, here's our lineup. You know what to do. It's like right? when Alex Ray said, it's just Spurs. Lads and they were Spurs, like, Lads and Spurs were 2 yeah. down in the game 5-2. I think that's a really, really good point about the negative. I think they're just scared of the next loss. They're just worried about the next negative thing that will happen. And then the, the media the gets next wrong pass. Yes, they're just Literally, worried about yeah. the next yeah. thing. Like but players weren't playing on eggshells. You can't run very fast playing a running on eggshells. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, that's what they're playing like. But, but I also think it's interesting because you're right. That's his vibe, that darkness, that... Um, the world's against us, mm-hmm. siege mentality kind of thing. That, yeah. He loves that. But this is this is not a place, or it's a harder place to instill that kind of that vibe because it's, it's just not, it's harder to believe. Like, the world is not against Manchester United. You've right. had it easy on many levels. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all the money in the world. You've got some of the best players. There's no, you know, refereeing right. conspiracy. It's just, if you try to instill that kind of mentality, it's just laughable. It's- and so I think he's struggling to kind of just be a positive force. And, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's much easier to instill that at Chelsea, no offense yeah. at Chelsea, but they had nothing got happening until Mourinho got there. So he could kind of instill mm-hmm. whatever baseline he exactly. wants because there wasn't one that existed. Yeah, they had so, no identity. Yeah, I come yeah. into Chelsea, this yeah. is the new identity, right. done, 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 fine. Right. At United, they had Alex Ferguson mm-hmm. for so long that you can't, they played a lot of entertaining football, especially at home. And you can't just come in and try and now tell United fans that, I'm sorry, this is how it needs to happen, but we've won things for decades mm-hmm. using this other way. Why are you telling us now that we need to change? So it's harder for him to instill that at United. It's also, for such a good manager, he doesn't last more than two seasons anywhere. I mean, he's Chelsea's legendary number one icon. It's not a player. It's not Lampard. It's not Drogba. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, Abramovich is above these guys. It, Mourinho is the... Mm-hmm. Icon, the Chelsea icon, and he can't even last for more than a, a year and a half there. Coming like well, it's just three, crazy. But, yeah, 
it's just the toxicity he brings in must be so high for him to not manage to just stay at Chelsea. Like mm-hmm. it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. I, I can't fathom that he can't do. Well, that. if they, you know, and Wenger, who who didn't have hasn't had the production or the victories that Mourinho's had, still stays in one place. Yeah. But for better or for worse, he's still there. And obviously, Ferguson was there for years at at, um, at United. So you're right. I think it's an, that's a very good question. Why is it? That Mourinho gets results right away and then is poisonous within two years and is gone. Yeah. There's, there's something going on. There's, and that happens in other sports where, you know, in other team sports in North America where coaches come in and have an immediate impact but over the long term, they're toxic. Mm-hmm. The players don't want to play for them anymore. Uh, I, they I play so badly to get rid of them, which yeah. is what happened to Mourinho. Yeah. We, we were talking about this earlier as well, about how he comes in with such a short-term plan that first season or second season where he just builds first season, second season we win the league, and then everybody just goes... Oh, like, they're tired. Mm-hmm. It's been such a hectic two seasons of just machine, 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 win the league. He did it with Inter Milan. He had the oldest squad in, in, in well, I'm pretty sure it was in the Europe, world. in the yeah. world ever. Mm-hmm. He brought them in, whatever, Schneider and Eto and the defensive mid and Milito and whoever it was. And he just said, I'm here. I want a trouble. In the history books, it's unbelievable. But then you left that team in such dire straits. They, they still haven't recovered. They haven't they? recovered from that trouble and amazing season. And is that how you should manage? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what Arsene Wenger always says, you know, I, I do the best thing in the long term. But that's what he does. He, he sucks all the energy out of this group of players that the third season, I just can't do it anymore. I'm mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. I've kind of achieved my goal and it's like, oh, done, finished. And, and you can't underestimate, um, at, having covered sports and covered locker rooms and talked to players on teams in different sports, how players can shape the future of the manager. Like, you know, people talk about, oh, the manager you know, left because of this, that, the other mm-hmm. thing. If the players decide... <laughs> He's not the guy. Right. They can make him gone. You're not going to replace 20 guys. Yeah. You're going to replace one guy. And it just takes a few players like Hazard. If I recall, with Mariners last year, Hazard had, had a bad year, didn't play well, was hurt, but he also didn't play like he gave a crap. No. And it showed. And so, to me, when I remember seeing Chelsea play that year before Marino left, I said, he's got to be gone because the players don't want to play for him anymore. Yeah. You know, he uses people up. It's right? funny uh, that Mourinho is literally at Hazard's mercy because he's their only really standout kind of superstar. And mm-hmm. if he, does, he decides to just sulk around... It's done. Like you're, you're gone. Like a bit like Sanchez and Arsenal yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we wait for the day that, that Pogba decides he's had it, and then that, that'll, that'll be that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we uh, almost saw a little wobble okay. recently. Yeah. Um, let's talk Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Liverpool, you kind of roll the die, and you're kind of like, God, I feel happier already. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. roll the die, and you go, What did they do this week? It could <laughs> yeah. be could anything, anything on this range. Totally. And it's like this... it's like cheering for the Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> Except week to week instead of every every four years. It's just random. It's like, Oh, oh, they won. Okay, yeah. great. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, there and like the back, the I came to Liverpool. Sort of uh, the backstory is back in the '70s when I was into soccer as a, like a teenager. And the um, Liverpool teams of the '70s with um, Kevin Keegan and Steve Highway and all these fellows were uh, were a great first division team, of course, back in those days. And I just remember thinking they were a pretty good team. So when we when I got back in sort of in the Premier League about a decade ago, I, I didn't really have a team, but I just thought to myself, I just I remember the Liverpool teams of those years ago. So I started following them then and. They had, we had that incredible run with Brendan Rodgers and Suarez, that fantastic, where they almost won it, which was Stumble, so yeah. fabulous. Like, what it, was a team. A, it was a fabulous team. Yeah. It was a great run. It was just fun. They Even played. earlier than that with the Mascarano, Torres, Gerard, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. So yeah, I yeah. Loved it. That was yeah. a Champions League winning team. Yeah, yeah. That team was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. They, so they had these great... They, they, and they played a fun game, and they were. it was just exciting to watch. And then they sort of gone off kilter a bit. Now Klopp, who I'm a big fan of, I think he's great. I mean, he's a guy I'd play, want to play for. You know, he's, he's the anti-Mourinho in so many ways. <laughs> And I think you see that you see that kind of um, 
unpredictability and that sort of uh, explosive energy and also negative, like when he when they lose, he's very, yeah. he emotes, right? So the team kind of, again, draws off that. They draw that energy from him and the fans do as well. They get they love him, but then he, he pulls his hair out and they yeah. lose and they all, oh my God, it's all over. And so as a fan, you you like you said, it's really like you put you put you close your eyes, you put your finger up. What happened? I don't yeah. want to look right now. I can't. It's like it made the scary movie. Oh my! Is there someone around the corner? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like that with them, right? Well, it sounds it's like it's incredibly entertaining. Would would any part of you swap it for a bit more consistency, or do you just enjoy the ride? I enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah. but that's just me. I think as a as a I've watched a lot of sports over the years, so I think I've always been more you know entertain. I, I look for entertainment. Almost more than victory, you know. Right. Like it's as weird as that sounds. No, not to be too. <laughs> maybe that's why I cheer for the Dutch, or it did for so long, because it wasn't about results; it was how they got there. No, not to be too morbid, but we're all gonna die. Yeah. And Thanks. how many trophies yeah. Arsenal have won in my lifetime won't matter to me as when I'm dead. As... What will matter is how much I've enjoyed the ride. Right. Yeah. So right. it's one of those where it's like, yeah. I, I see that point of view. It's like I'm enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. It would be. It depends on how much you enjoy a trophy. It would be nice, of course, once mm-hmm. in a while. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I don't want to play like the Chelsea's did under Mourinho. I don't want to play like mm-hmm. United did. I mm-hmm. don't want to do that. I want to come second and third and still feel competitive, but enjoy the ride too. But back to your point about Klopp mm-hmm. and Mourinho, I think mm-hmm. a very good point is that Klopp will have that negative and like, yes, it I'm so angry. Yeah. But he doesn't then turn it onto the players. He no. throws players right. under the bus. He yeah. doesn't then sulk for a week in training. He doesn't say the whole world is against us. Mm-hmm. Klopp will say... Yes, it was all fault. We didn't do well here. And he's kind of, he snaps out of it and then he's back to his, okay, next week. Yeah. yeah. Mourinho will kind of let it linger mm-hmm. for as long as he mm-hmm. can because he enjoys that feeling mm-hmm. in general. Well, he also, sorry, Tom. No, I was just going to, my, my big concern with Liverpool, and we've seen it already with the departure of uh, Coutinho, is trying to keep players there. And, and, and again, ownership is another question because, you know, Salah, who's having this phenomenal year, this, this remarkable discovery, um, and who's t- turned the league on its head, and he's scored another one uh, on Sunday mm-hmm. and an assist, um, will he stay? You know, he may, want to st- he may want to play for Klopp, but somebody, Barcelona, Real, someone's going to wave big cash in front right. of him and he's going to be gone. That's, that'll be, that's, to me, that's the heartbreaking part as a Liverpool fan is thinking to myself, some of these guys aren't going to be here in another year. Not because they don't want to. Right. And not because they don't love the guy, but they just will take the money. That, that was so professional that I just realized because he said on Sunday and today's yep. Sunday. Yep. And I said today, but he realizes that people are going to listen. And I was like, oh. I call like, that too. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, like, I wish I had done that. You know? Here's a practice. But, but I just learned something new. And there you go. Anytime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so I, I, so the, the long-term answer is I, I, and we're thinking about going to see Liverpool on our next uh, soccer trip thing in, the, in, in April. But... Uh, and not because everybody's. We have a Chelsea fan. We have a, a, a Liber, uh, Arsenal fan. We have a uh, Palace fan or a Hull fan. Anyway, okay. uh, or City fan. Sorry, and me. So, but everybody wants to see Liverpool. Yeah, everybody right. wants to go to Anfield and, course, wants, yeah. and wants to and wants to see. I, I go see City play because it'd be fun to watch too. Yeah. But if I'm gonna have a if I have a choice to go to Anfield to see Liverpool, this with this club plays, I want to see them. How many, a lot of how many games do you usually get to when you go over? We try to get to three. Okay. So um, we've done. We've been. This will be our fifth trip if we uh, hopefully the, if we plan it out right. And we're just checking the schedule. Normally, as you know, later in the year, every game is listed right now as a Sunday game, but they could be Saturdays and Sundays and Monday night and that sort of thing. So it's so yeah. hard to plan the overseas trip when they just go all oh, FA Cup games. So then. We have to go from yeah, Saturday to we, Sunday. We don't, we, we'll go anyway. We don't, as I yeah, yeah, mentioned when we set this all up, we've gone to see like first division and the League One and championship. We don't care. We, we saw Sheffield Wednesday two years ago. Man, it was a, just a gas. Nice. It was just great. You know? So and we, don't, we don't mind where we end up. We just love the atmosphere. We love the songs. Mm-hmm. We just like the, tra- the tradition. So we can go to the Emirates one day and Sheffield Wednesday the next. Right? Yeah, so awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, we had that, the game.
game that we were all at. Yes. Um, was it was listed on a Saturday and then it That's got right. moved to the Sunday. That's right. And we, so and, and I actually yeah. had to give up going to see Barcelona against Valencia. Oh wow! Because of to see the Arsenal moved. game. Oh really? And Valencia actually beat Barcelona at the Camp Nou that day. It would have been incredible, but there you go. I was lucky. I got to see Barcelona half a year, a year later, like three times. We went to Spain. It was fantastic. Yeah, Neymar we, still. We was keep there. going to England, and I think we, you know we just we, we could go to Spain. We could go to. We've talked about actually going to a, a game in England, then going to taking the train to Paris and mm. seeing the PSG play. Um, that's still in the, in the works. Some maybe someday, but uh, but the England thing is because you can see so much in a yeah. relatively small space. Yeah. In in the same day, you can even see two matches depending on how it works out. Um, I think it's. I think it'll be whether uh, wherever we end up, it'll be a hoot. It always is. Nice, cool. Um, everything, Crystal Palace. Uh, sure. Uh, Wayne Rooney and Gilfie Sigurdsson back in the side. Uh, <coughs> yeah. we, we discussed last week how weird it was that Allardyce dropped both of them for the Arsenal game. It's just like, again, we, we said, I understand not having both of them in your team necessarily at the same time, but leaving out all your creative players it just yeah. made no sense. So they were back. Sigurdsson got the first goal. He's a very good player. He's, he's just yeah, a very good player. He's wonderful. Um, Crystal Palace, we've talked to this about this a couple of times. When Crystal Palace were going through their bad run at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. their fans would say, wait till we've got Zahar back. Yeah. And we were kind of like, yeah, he's good, but like, can't be that much of a difference. right? But it was. Yeah. Like, he came he back, good. they started yeah. winning some games. Now he's out again, yeah. and it looks terrible. Well, we saw a Palace game three years ago mm-hmm. uh, against West Ham, and, um, and, they ha- and he was in the lineup, and he was the best player on the pitch like he's very oh. really retail I'm surprised like other clubs aren't going for him actually I don't well, know he, why he didn't do it at United um, he right. didn't work out people though a lot of people will say Zaha's probably the best player outside of the top 6 I mean you've got the Leicester Mars and Vardis yeah, but like he's very up there in terms of outside the top 6 you'd start you know Zaha would be maybe top 3 right. you've got Mares, Zaha like it's he's, he's definitely up there he's a very good player mm-hmm. and he's Relatively consistent when he plays, plays. Yeah. he's effective. Yeah. But, mean, he, but he's a bit he's a bit brittle, or at least yeah. he seems to be injury prone. At least he has in the last few years. He hasn't doesn't seem to be playing capable of playing an entire season or even most of a season. Yeah. And I'm sure that must scare teams off um, players of that quality, yeah. but who are have a tendency to have either bad luck. I don't know what his professional as well, like kind of reputation is in terms of training and this and that. I don't know. We hear but, things at United a bit where it was wobbly, but. Um, you're talking about David Moyes' daughter. That's what yes. you're talking about. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. um, <laughs> wow, just a deep dive. Yeah, I'll pass. Um, yeah. Just, just the, the last thing on this game. Um, I didn't realize this, but you know, a few months ago, where Allardyce was recorded or overheard uh, doing an impression of, of Roy Hodgson, amongst other things. Right. And it turned out that he. Hodgson was asked before the game whether Allardyce had apologized for this, and it turned out no. And then Allardyce was asked about it, and he was like, well, I called once, and it went to voicemail, so I tried. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. are you adults? Like, what is going on? Yeah. I, this yeah. is no, weird. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> anyway, Stoke won, Brighton won, uh, obviously the game of the week. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I've always got time for Charlie Adam missing oh, a last-minute penalty. Yes. That's, I'll yeah, take no, that's, that's fun. And wasn't there, didn't, if, I, if I saw, I, maybe I saw it on YouTube or somewhere, but wasn't there a, a fight over who would take that penalty? Yes. Didn't he sort of take the ball away from, I can't remember who it was. Hesse, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, a, almost had a scrap right there on the, <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. take the ball. opposite players in the spectrum of possible <laughs> styles. Yeah. Charlie yeah. Adams and Hesse. Um, Swansea beat Burnley 1-0. Swansea are on an unbelievable run of form. Um, it's yep. insane. Mm-hmm. What, what they've, can, since Carvajal came in, they've won seven of... 11 Is that I think right? they beat Liverpool they beat Liverpool they yeah. beat Arsenal yeah. they drew uh, with someone else who's good <laughs> I can't remember even yeah. beating Burnley a lot of teams Burnley's, do not get points yeah, against yeah. Burnley yeah. trying to see that they had this form table where um, they were just 
Like since the new year, they're probably like top yes. five or something. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. right. Um, Carlos Carvajal also, um, he's a bugger for a great quote, and he's done it again. Um, we put in Andre Ayew, Tammy Abraham. We had three attackers in the middle. We put all the meat in the barbecue, all the meat inside the grill, because we wish a lot to win this game. Nice. I just love it. Nice. So yeah, he, has, nice. he has those moments. Twitter, Twitter likes don't really work. What do you mean? Like you like something, and then you go look for it a day later, and it, it it's it's gone. Oh, you it's, like too many things. That's true. Also. Yeah. Um, That's not a bad thing. Liking things is good. Right? Yeah. 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 Don't want to turn into a Mourinho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you go. West Ham beat... Who is it? I can't see this shit. Watford. Oh. Watford are on a, literally the opposite of a Swansea right now. They're yeah. just not looking very good. Um, new manager doing okay after losing um, who I thought one of the best managers in the, in the league. Marco Silva. Marco Silva. Um, but West Ham... West Ham are another one of those teams where you don't know what you're going to get. Nope. You, and Chicharito seems to be on, good, on a good run. He's got a good run, yeah. Um, they yeah. signed, uh, what's his name, Alex? I'm bad at names. Who? Central mid, new guy from Inter Milan. Oh, uh, Jean Mario. Yeah, Jean Mario. He's got, what, three, four assists already in two games. He seems to be doing the business for them. Yeah. No, I mean, my only real note from this was that afterwards Moyes said that he wants to push for a top 10 finish, which is lovely, uh, but they're also only five points clear of relegation. So, that I mean, that's... Two weeks of bad results and you're back, you're in, back it, in it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Arnautovic yeah. is back from injury. Um, he's, he's an important player for them. I mean, yes, I know they signed him for like ludicrous for 25, <laughs> 30 million or whatever it was. But he's one of their better players. Mm-hmm. I mean, after I think they sell, sold Ayo, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. to Swansea already. Yes. So yeah. it's really he's him and Chicharito are kind of Lanzini is a great player too. But they have they have okay players. Mm-hmm. They just need to get it out of them. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't help that they're playing away from home. Didn't Watford just season. whack somebody though? Last they did week last week. They, they uh, beat Chelsea. Uh, no. Chelsea. Chelsea four to one. Yeah, yeah. That so was unbelievable from Chelsea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who did Chelsea play tomorrow? Well, they, on Monday they play West Brom, uh, which doesn't sound that exciting except that. I read this week that the last two Chelsea managers to have been sacked were sacked after losing to West Brom. And no. Conte is trying to get <laughs> sacked. <laughs> so. but but getting. The tone has changed, though, from Conte like in the last week. like He used to be like, yeah, yeah whatever, this is horrendous. But the last few weeks, KL came out saying, we really backed the manager, everything is great, and we're going to try our best. Conte came out recently saying, I'm fully committed here, I want to try my best. I just feel the tone has changed over the week. And... Uh, I didn't expect Conte to come out and say that. That's mm-hmm. It's a very that's an odd story. That whole Chelsea thing is a very strange yeah. tale. I don't. They just have the reputation of sacking managers like that. So but it's, it, it's gone sideways so fast. I mean, they won the champ. They won the Premier League like yeah. a couple years ago, right? So like how their signings have been horrendous. The signings yeah. are bad, but I, I I also think it's kind of being overplayed, and I think part of that is Conte's fault because he keeps telling us or has until maybe this week that. Our squad's not good enough. The mm-hmm. season's going to be very difficult. We're doing well to be even in the top four. But if you look at the season they're having on paper, it's actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. It just it looks worse because City are 20 points ahead. Mm-hmm. But Chelsea aren't really doing that badly. It's also they're, bad because the, the, the badness, I guess, came all like in a row. Boom, boom, boom. And they just right. looked like in a bad month of slump of a month. Plus they're, they're losing just, at home, like at yeah. the bridge, which is like, you know, one of the more difficult places to win on the, on the road in the Premier League, and now it's got that the the mysteries out of it a little bit, mm-hmm. almost like United, like playing at Old Trafford is not quite the same. There's a, they they're not invincible at home anymore, and there's the, so I think that may be a factor psychologically that plays into that larger narrative where things have gone sideways. He's gone, it's all done. Um, but I I you know he's I think he's a pretty good manager. I don't yeah, I don't I don't, sure. I don't get it. Like, he, he's great. I mean, if if they do get rid of him, he'll have. I have no doubt they'll have one of the biggest jobs yeah. in the world. Totally. I mean, he, he also, to be fair, he did copy his five 
532 from Greg Vanny. Yeah, of course, so yeah. You can't, <laughs> can't forget that. So, you know, I don't know how good he is. But, um, or maybe tell you how good Vanny is. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Huddersfield beat Bournemouth 4-1. I have nothing to say about this, unfortunately, for Huddersfield, because it looks like they did well. But... I think giving people the score... Is, is, is quite enough, more than enough. All I can say is I've actually been to uh, to where Bournemouth plays. We yeah. saw Bournemouth play Sheffield Wednesday four years ago. Nice. And uh, it's it's a park. You know, if you ever, it's like seats fourteen thousand. Yeah. Right. It's tiny. Yeah. It's literally it's it's tiny. It's a bandbox. You get more seats at high schools around here. It's, seriously, yeah. sure. But it's it's a wonderful place to see a game. And Bournemouth is a beautiful town. So yeah. My little tourist tip for you. Oh, great. Right. Yeah. My my grandfather on my dad's side used to live there. Because when once you're old in England, you just, you just get on a bus automatically sends you to Bournemouth. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember much. The beach was nice. Yeah, it's pretty. Was fish was, and chips on the water. That, right, yeah, right. That Sounds thing. lovely. It's a pretty it's a pretty yeah. town actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually thought that when Bournemouth joined the league, they'd have like a year or two, and then they would have to expand their capacity. Yeah. yeah. But it seems to be. It's expensive. expensive. It's expensive. It's, no, I, I just you gotta make that. sure that you're gonna stay in the league, and it's so volatile that you start a mm-hmm. big project of expansion, and all of a sudden you get relegated. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I just I, I was under the impression that it was compulsory, but I guess not. Oh, yeah. Oh, anyway, that'll do for the Premier League. Uh, let's do some moomoos. I do moomoo. One thing we are no sha moomoo not fit sleep forever. One day moomoo go wake up. All right, we will start Moomoo of the Week this week with uh, the Huddersfield game that we were just talking about and, and how, you know, we spoke about how we didn't really know what happened in that game. But here's something we do know. Um, during the game, one of the Huddersfield substitutes was uh, getting ready to come onto the field, presumably, and was, uh, was, oh, wow. chain- was changing. Great, great choice of words. Yeah. And uh, was changing, and as he did so, pulled down his shorts and whatever was underneath them, if there was anything underneath them, revealing everything. everything. It yes. was the full Monty. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was the full the Monty. The whole tactical plan was revealed. Everything yes. was, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the funny thing is, I mean, we'll put the, I think we tweeted the video, so, or retweeted it. We didn't have the original footage. Um, so you can see it on our Twitter feed. But the funny thing is about this is that it's actually just a video of David Wagner, the coach, just kind of pacing up and down. Yeah. You have to focus on the background to see what's going Which on. Which makes you wonder... Who spotted it and why? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, well, here we go. I'm, I'm seeing If I'm looking moment. past the manager at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a lot of little ones that were just um, across the week. One of them was The Sun. The Sun had a full page spread on Ryan. Uh, you could Sussan. have ended that at yeah. The Sun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ryan Sussman apparently is killing it, player of the month, and they had a full spread on him. This is the Fulham winger. The Fulham, yeah, left back winger. He plays yeah, wing back, kind of. The people are comparing him to Bale. And their whole front page is a full spread, or the spread is a full whatever thing about him. And unfortunately, the picture they chose, which is huge across the whole page, is not of Sessegnon. <laughs> it's just another Presumably player that it's looks another similar. black player. Yes, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just any of the black players on the Fulham team, they just put them on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another one was <laughs> Lucas Perez. He's on loan at um, Deportivo. Deportivo. And uh, people, um, they're, apparently, they're not enjoying his performance, so they spray painted the side of his building saying, Lucas Perez, please leave. Right. <laughs> and then some guy printed out a small piece of A4 paper and stuck it there saying, Lucas Perez doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, great. Another one, I've got two more quick ones. One of them was uh, a goal went in in the Paraguayan league and uh, they showed the guy celebrating and they showed the fans and the caption is how they celebrate goals in Paraguay. <laughs> and you could just see this lady literally in the stands snorting coke. <laughs> 
off this mirror. I mean, in the stands, you got to enjoy like, the moment, you know. Like, but they just scored. I mean, if, if it was a dire game, maybe. But you know, you said you said it. We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. What's more important, trophies or how you yeah. enjoy the game week now, to week? Was she a fan of the losing team or the winning? No, team? she was. She was celebrating the goal. Oh, she okay. Was, yeah, she right. was like, you know what? This calls for this. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, and I mean, last, obviously, they do a lot of heavy duty searching before you go into a match <laughs> in Paraguay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you could. Possibly just buy that in the concessions. Well, they never thought of that. Yeah. Um, last but not least, a lot of talk about VAR recently. So in Boavista, I'm not sure what league it is. Portugal. Portugal. Um, they were they use VAR and then um, you can see what the VAR footage is that the referee is looking at. So he calls for the VAR. There's the whole hand signal thing goes over, and then you're trying to see the clip. But unfortunately, during the just the moment. Of the decision, there's a huge flag that waves across, like one of those big flags. It's a quarter yeah. flags, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you think he can't see that? No way. Referee comes off, goes, "Yep, goal." <laughs> it's like, what did you use? What kind of information was used to make that call? I think he just doubled down. That's He's a, like, "I've gone for this." The, I mean, North America has the NFL has a replay flag, but apparently they have one yeah. over there too. <laughs> Fantastic. So yeah, a lot of moments this week. Just yeah, loved it. Enjoyed it. Interestingly Anything? too, um, Portugal legalized. All drugs in the early 2000s. I wonder if, you know, we don't see any footage of that, but presumably. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do it at a football stadium? It's your day out, it's a Saturday. <laughs> you, probably, you probably have a joint or two. Yeah, if, if it's allowed, it's allowed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll sell more snacks. So. Good point. A lot more munchies. Anything else? I think that's it. I think that's enough. All right. <laughs> I'll <do> more. <laughs> One thing we are no shy. no fits live forever. One day, Momo go wake up. We will start the European segment now. Uh, Italy, Spal. Uh, <laughs> Always sounds like some K- KGB faction. I just can't help it. Or a weapon. Spal. The Spal. Still don't know what it means. Could have looked it up any week. Still is that, Isn't it an acronym? We talked about it. Yeah, it's an acronym. But okay. Sporting something. Is that a luncheon meat? <laughs> it does sound yeah. like that, yeah. Um, anyway, they lost uh, 4-0 at home to Milan. Who haven't lost in five games under Gattuso or something like that. Their best yeah. one. Yeah. Gattuso came in and everyone rightfully considered it a bit of a joke. Uh, he's, a, he's a fun character but had no managerial pedigree. But he's doing really well. They I haven't lost his, in eight. His though. actual words in the, last, in the latest press conference is... AC Milan, sometimes good, sometimes shit. And he walked out. He's like, you know what? That is a fair... That Player, is a fair players assessment. like guys like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we, we were actually talking a couple of weeks ago. They uh, Milan won a game and he came onto the centre of the pitch and the players surrounded him and all started hitting him. <laughs> and, and afterwards, you know, the reporters were like, what was going on there? And he was basically like... Look, sometimes the players are going to be angry at me. I'd rather they did this in this way instead of kind of backstabbing me in the dressing room or what have you. Yeah. Like the, the substitutes can get their anger out. Yeah. It you know it works. You can tell from the hits who was the substitute <laughs> and who started the game. Yeah. You know what though? That sounds like again we get back to play, former players, especially right. recently removed. Other players, he knows how to speak to them. He understands mm-hmm. what they're going through, and for the for a short period of time at least, yes. it may work. Short yeah. period of time, it yeah, works. exactly. Um, so th- this weekend in Serie A actually started off on Friday night. Juventus went away to Fiorentina um, and they beat them 2-0. It was actually quite a, a relatively easy victory. Fiorentina were given a penalty in the 18th minute, but again, with the VAR, it got cancelled. So I think it was uh, Jordan Vertu, the former Aston Villa player, was standing there with the ball for three minutes waiting to take this penalty. And in the end, it got given 
as a free kick to Juventus for an offside yeah. before wow. the penalty incident. So it's just interesting how VAR is changing. Yeah. Well, it's gonna, well, that's also going to take time, like did with other leagues, to figure out how what the official way to use it. My so. only concern: someone on Twitter had a really, really good point, saying that if this VAR starts taking three to four minutes, it's not long until you start seeing ads over that time and that would kill me like it, you know by the yeah, time the ref are yeah. doing their thing people are like well let's just get a three minute add in and it, that would that would ruin everything I suspect short term you may see more three minute breaks than right. you will in a year like once Hopefully. they I think the, that these are the, going to be the growing pains I suspect I just feel like again it's not about VR like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much in, but I just feel like someone else can make the decision you, the main ref doesn't have to walk over and make a decision you can have a referee that you trust in front of the screen that tells the referee well, cancel it. I think or, isn't isn't that exactly what's walk, going no, on? No, he has I, to walk all the way there, look at it himself. Well, that's how they works in say the National Football League, yeah. right? The actual referee. Plus, then there's people in New York who are watching it with him, and they sort of yeah. arrive at an agreement. In the NFL it can be really slow, as you know, mm-hmm. if you watch. Other times it's quite quick. Um, yeah. So it, I think VR. I I actually think it's a good thing, and so it's the one the one league in the world. This was discussed in 2010 after the German, after the famous Lampard goal, that why haven't we got this at the biggest sporting event in the world? I remember doing a story on it. Mm-hmm. You know, other leagues in the world already have replays. So we won't get in, into the reads on it, but it just, I think it's, people have to be patient. It's going to take a while to get the rhythm of this thing in, in, in football, but it's going to come. It'll well, be fine. After 2010, they did get their goal line. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So at least there was right. that. Because right. that's great. The ref just looks at his yeah. watch. Right, right. I, I, I enjoy that a lot, but yeah. it's because it's quick and it's. And it's so know. rarely used. Yeah. That's the other thing. It happens more in other sports than it does sure. in soccer. Yeah. For sure. Um, the only other uh, thing to say about this game is Buffon finally reached 500 appearances. He's been on oh, he's 499 for a while and okay. he kind of came back into the side. Chesney had something like ridiculous, like 13 clean sheets in a row or something. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, obviously Twitter was awash with Buffon mm. tribute mm-hmm. pictures and, mm-hmm. and what have you. He, he, he really has become almost fetishized at this yeah. point. Well, he's like, a legend of the game. When, player, when, when Italy didn't make the World Cup, he was crying and he was really sad. He apologized to everybody. But at the end of the day, he's, I think he's one of the best keepers in the history of the game oh, he's, he's a legend so. and, and beloved like oh, everywhere yeah. around the world but not just Great Italian person. fans everybody loves him that's true uh, yeah. yeah but uh, so Juventus winning put them a point ahead of Napoli in the, in the title race and if everyone doesn't know like the, this podcast kind of supports Napoli this season yeah, yeah. just I mean you know, <laughs> wait we, a minute what we, yeah. <laughs> we have an affinity no one told for, me we yeah. have an affinity for Roma because we went there and we saw a game and we saw Totti score two goals oh, yeah. last oh, wow minute, the, the, last, the two last minute goals that got him his new contract for a bit oh it was unbelievable the best wow. part of our trip and, yeah. and so we have that natural affinity but given Roma are well off the pace and we'd just like anyone other than Juventus to win the league. Right. Not that even we, we don't even dislike Juventus. No. It's just, you know. Change it up. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Napoli plays some wonderful football. Anyway, so Juve beat Fiorentina. Sorry, they went two points ahead of Napoli because they were a point behind. And the pressure was then on Napoli, who now play, I think, the rest of their games are going to be after Juventus play because they're playing in the Europa League. So uh, Napoli will always play on Sunday. And so they'll always have this right. pressure if, as long as Juve keep winning. Yeah, and then Napoli did nothing but go and concede in the third minute. Conceded in the <laughs> third minute to uh, Stefan de Vrij yeah. uh, against Lazio. And that, at that point you're thinking, uh-oh, this yeah. is the weekend the dream dies, right? Yeah. Juventus are coming back. And then Napoli went and blitzed Lazio, scored four, uh, just hammered them. And it was, you could see the relief in the stadium on the players' faces. Once they went 2-1 up, they knew they had it. And it, it was... Sarri is doing an unbelievable job at Napoli. His, his, his philosophy, his, he plays the game the same way every game, the way he wants to play it. And he never kind of lets go of his, his mantra or whatever you want to call it, his philosophy. <laughs> um, and he, he's so passionate. He's similar to Klopp. He's similar. They, they, they scored their 1-1 equalizing goal. And for some reason, he was mad that something got ejected <laughs> out of the stadium. Like, you just 
score the and he's still not happy. He got mad at something and he got he's really really doing so well this season. Napoli, I I think are probably the top team to watch, close to Liverpool, close to in Europe this season. They're so much fun mm. to watch. Their front four are phenomenal. They they play the game the way everybody should play. Yeah, the, the only the only issue with them is that they, they have such a small squad. Yeah, and so they kind of had to. They, they couldn't navigate the, the Champions League group stage because they just couldn't do it two games in a week. So they went out of that. They're now in the Europa League. They sh- should be a contender for it, but it's their only opportunity to rest their players. So I think they're probably going to crash out of that as soon as possible and, the and focus is, on that. The league. league is a very possible mm. opportunity right now, so I think they should really focus on that one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and last result, uh, Inter 2, Bologna 1. Inter hadn't won, I think, in about six to seven games. Um, they're still not looking good. Um, apparently, a bunch of the players got into an argument this week and started unfollowing each other on Instagram or what have you. And uh, passive aggressive. And uh, it's high school. Yeah. Spalletti, the manager, was. Um, I got this from uh, another podcast. So, uh, but apparently, Spalletti. What? There's more. I thought you were the only ones. Well, it was a rude awakening for no, me. Not Blazers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spalletti, the Inter manager, was in a restaurant in Rome, and uh, he noticed some Roma fans. And he he thought apparently oh I'm gonna Extra get, gonna get some yeah. some stick here and they left him alone and he actually went and then spoke to them at the end once he got up from his meal and said you know hi how you doing guys blah 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 and then started kind of opening his heart to them saying oh you know I, I left Roma because of this and that and but it turns out the situation's pretty similar here at Milan and at mm-hmm. Inter and they don't want to spend money and this is wrong and that's wrong and uh, obviously he was being recorded the whole time so. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. just. See, that's hard to just be human sometimes as, as this like famous figure where everything is like, oh, well, I can sell this quote now for, for a little bit. You know? uh, like that's pretty unusual. I've never yeah, heard anything up like that. That's yeah. quite something. No. Anyway, uh, so Napoli 63 points, Juventus 62, uh, Inter miles away on 48, Lazio 46, Roma played, well, right now, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, that's Italy. Yeah. You want to tell um, us about Spain? Yeah, let's talk about Spain. Uh, Barcelona drew. Uh, did, they, did that game end in a draw? Eventually? Nil, nil. Yeah. nil nil to Hetafe, if I'm not mistaken. Hetafe, who, by the way, on the 80th minute, brought on Matthew Flamini. Nice. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, just to shore up that defense <laughs> yeah. against Messi and Co. Um, it's amazing that he still has, you know, contracts and he still plays and all that. Um, so, yeah, Barcelona dropping points there. They didn't look their best. Coutinho subbed off in the 60th minute or so. Still not really hitting the ground running. He scored last week, but still not. Kind of gelling in that Barcelona side. Mm-hmm. Um, Suarez not so good. Dembele came on and just looked horrendous again. I, I don't know why. Was that his first game back from injury? I don't think it was his first. But he's just... I don't know. I mean, I know Chelsea were really, really worried. <coughs> especially with their form about playing Barcelona in the Champions League soon. But if Barca played this week... Because they haven't been phenomenal. Like, yes, they've been getting the points. Sometimes late on in games, etc. But it's it's slightly not you know at that Barcelona level that we know and they drew this game and lucky for them Madrid aren't doing very well and you know, mm-hmm. they, they did this match day they won 4-1 against uh, who was it um, uh, the five, I think it was 5-2 against Sociedad oh 5-2 against yeah. Sociedad Ronaldo no, hat-trick yeah. um, perfect hat-trick left foot right foot header Good really game. yeah wow. Yeah, the first perfect hat-trick this season um, he, he's really good at kind of combining stats so he'll go for like three games not scoring then he'll score three and then all of a sudden he'll be like well look he has tons of goals yeah um, well, Real Madrid kind of ramping up in time. They've got PSG. I don't. I'm not sure whether it's this week or next week. But that is going to be mm-hmm. a game. Be, I mean, that'll be fun. These two yeah. teams that domestically are having weird seasons. I mean, PSG is 15 points ahead, but they still really look convincing. And we watched a bit of the game yeah. this week. 
by mistake because it was just on. Um, <laughs> it's just on. I can't forget who they're playing. Uh, Toulouse or yeah, and, and and Neymar scored like a deflected goal. Like it was yeah, it was a bit. I, they just stroll around. Yeah. They don't need to. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very weird situation. Mm-hmm. I think both. I think this game again. We talked about it last week. Both managers are playing for their position. Zidane here and uh, Unai Emery here, and I think. Both these teams really won the Champions League, and I think Unai Emery is only as good as as his kind of Champions League deliverance. They're going to keep switching managers at PSG until the Champions League. Mm-hmm. The, the league, no one cares. Yeah. Well, I remember going to see Real when they were here. Remember they played TFC? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The exhibition game before their seasons it was July. It was July, of, gosh, two thousand nine, maybe or two thousand ten. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, "I'm like, do I really want to go?" And their tickets were they they jacked the price up. Um, and I said, you know what? It was like going to see the Beatles because right. it was it, it was Ronaldo. <laughs> Is that Ronaldo's was, first season? Oh nine. It might have been. Maybe maybe was first. It, it was. Yeah. I think it was oh nine. And Robin was on the team. Oh. And Schneider was on the team. And Vart and stuff. And uh, was, they, they were loaded. And I said, you know what? It's like going to see the Beatles. Mm. What the yeah. heck? So I spent like a, I don't know how much, what, hundred bucks or whatever on the ticket, but it was worth it. They won five to two, and Ronaldo scored a step over goal, and it was and Robin worth scored. It. it was worth it. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. that 2009 TFCs managed to get two. I, so that's, <laughs> they did. Does your De Rosario have one of them? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, so yeah, Barca sitting. Atleti also won. They beat Malaga one 0 They scored. Uh, Griezmann scored. In the third minute, and then, the nothing minute on, and then nothing happens for the rest of the game. <laughs> um, so Barca with 59, Atleti with 52, and Madrid with 42. Wow, that's really, yeah. I mean, again, it's Champions League for Madrid this season, yeah. and nothing else. They're out of the Copa del Rey, which Barca are in the final now for the fifth year running. I think it's a record that they've wow. broken. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the funny thing in Spain is that. Usually, you, you get a neutral uh, venue for the Copa del Rey final. It's not like Wembley. You get a neutral venue, and every year Barca are in it, they ask to play at um, the Bernabeu. Mm-hmm. And every season, the Bernabeu comes up with an excuse as to why that can't happen. <laughs> Last year, the toilets weren't ready. The year before, the sewage had this, this issue that it needed to be fixed. It just... Perez will not have Barcelona win a trophy on their on their ground. Perez is busy that day. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, it's just it's gonna happen again. They, they always do. It's formality. They just send in the request. Yeah. They get back some bullshit excuse from Perez about why. Sorry, this. <laughs> I, don't yeah. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I mean, their fans would hate it. Of course. Yeah, true. I'm with him. Yeah, man of the people. If there ever was one. Yeah. <laughs> He'll always remember just for that. If nothing else. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I think that pretty much wraps up Spain. I mean, Barca should really should should really win win the league with what ten. Oh yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll win it in April. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, in fact, I think that's the case in a lot of the leagues. I mean, Bayern Munich will win it very early. City should win it. In fact, there's a chance that Manchester City will win it in their game against United at Old Trafford in, oh, wow. in April. So that would be a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man, the amount of buses parked that game—it's going to be phenomenal. Replacement bus services, anything, just <laughs> exactly um, perfect. Anyway, we will leave it there, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure. Great where, to be with you guys. Where can we find you on, on the internet? Um, I'm on Instagram at CBC Tom and on Twitter at CBC Tom. And I'm active on, on the Twitter machine, as you probably are aware. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's that's pretty much it. Cool. Can you remind us again about when you show well, your show name and when it's when it's out? Yeah, and so I, I host the Worldless Hour, which is the national international newscast. If you want to know what's going on in the world other than football, uh, then listen to that show. Is it other stuff? Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> I, I wonder myself. But yeah, so it's an hourly newscast. It's like four and a half minutes on every hour on the hour across the country. Um, and uh, I'm on there five days a week. Cool. Perfect. Do you, I, sorry, we were going to end there, but do you find football, uh, is it escapism for you? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like the, you, there are days doing the work that I do with that are really hard because sometimes you read some pretty terrible things. There's yeah. a lot of bad stuff happening, and it's pretty depressing. So uh, yeah, football is is a diversion. It's when it's really good, when it's really bad, even still, it's a diversion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a diversion, and, and because I played, and because now we, and I as a reporter, I'm sort of digressing here a bit, but for years as a sports reporter in Montreal and and even in Toronto, I I do stories on the game. I would do stories in the local team when the World Cup would happen. I do stories in the pubs. All those stories you see about people hanging out in pubs. I was doing those 25, 30 years ago locally. No one did that stuff. Right. No one no one reported on no TV local TV reporter covered soccer uh, the way I did and because um, I, I loved the game and I under, didn't understand why the rest of you didn't understand I love mm-hmm. the game I used to describe it I remember I'll tell you an anecdote I was on TVO um, years ago as a regular uh, sort of a sports panelist with Steve Bacon on, on the show the old Studio 2 it was before the World Cup in South Korea and um, so it was 2002. So um, we were on talking about the World Cup, and he, he knows I love the game, and he said, and he's not a big fan. So he said to me, okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you a minute. Tell me why I should watch the World Cup. So I told him, and he said, okay, I'll watch. And one of the things I said was, it's, it's, one of the, it's a sport that, I'm a jazz, I love jazz, and I said, I think soccer is very close to jazz, in which you have a structured musical arrangement, but within it you have innovation and creativity mm-hmm. that's allowed. So. Mm-hmm. That's encouraged, in fact, and players play off one another, and sometimes you create something really amazing within the structure of a body of, of, of music. I said, that's what soccer is to me, and it's not about, you know, goals are rare, oh, there aren't enough goals scored, but I said, you have to understand how difficult it is to score a goal in soccer. That's why people go nuts when the goals are scored, <laughs> yeah. because it's really hard. Uh, and I said, it's the other sport that, no matter where you go in the world, you, there's two things you can talk about, the weather and soccer. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. quite like it, anything else. I said, for that reason alone it's worth watching because it's the one language in the world that everybody has in common right, for right. a month. And so for me, the game has become, and so to years later, decades later, after doing all those stories, to see how popular the game mm-hmm. is, to see the guys like you are doing this sort of thing. People are turning up 30,000 TFC and watching the World Cup and the Premier League and even right. MLS on television and talking about it. It's really exciting to me. So I, I'm just I, I'm loving the ride of, of soccer today and its popularity. Yeah, all these things are perfect. And I just feel like, to me, again... Football has always been about the kind of the common man's game. It's very easy to play. You know, mm-hmm. yes. home you put up two pieces right. of rock and anything that surrounds that's right. football. Right. And it's like, it's cheap to play. It's yeah. cheap to enjoy. And the, the bit I like a lot is that it's it's also all over the world. Developing countries are so into this game. It's not kind of like secluded to one part of the world. Yeah. Everywhere. And now North America is really kind of on that as yes. well. Everywhere has soccer or football. Everywhere. Like yeah. very rarely do you find a place that doesn't. And also, to me, a couple of other things that, uh, about the game, which I think appeals uh, to more and more people, is a it's relatively safe compared to say football and the discussions we're having around so, around concussions and other sports. Uh, but it doesn't, generally speaking, does not discriminate on body type. Mm-hmm. You can be small like Maradona or big like Crouch or whatever, and, and be effective and not be discriminated against. It's a democratic mm-hmm. kind of a game. It's socioeconomically, you know, you can be poor and play and rich yeah. and play. It's less expensive to play than most other sports, as you said. It takes very little to play a game of, yeah. of soccer. So for so many reasons, it's such, and that's why the world loves it so much. That's why people say, "Why is this such a popular sport?" I said, "Just start thinking about it. You'll realize yeah. you don't need a nice uh, a nice surface to play. Yeah. I love hockey, but you don't you know you don't need a dirt lot something around and and you're good to go." So it's a it's a it's a wonderful wonderful game when it's played well and when people don't act stupid. I think that's a, a perfect place to end it. Uh, Tom, it's been a pleasure to have you. Likewise, we thanks. hope you'll come back. Oh, absolutely. uh, Happy to. It'd be great. Fantastic. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Thank you.